Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with CEO of Ketamine Clinics in Los Angeles, Sam Mandel. He is a lifelong mental health advocate and entrepreneur. He co-founded Ketamine Clinics Los Angeles with his father, Dr. Stephen L. Mandel, in 2014, and has grown the clinic to be one of the most successful and well-respected ketamine infusion therapy clinics in the United States. He serves as the company's chief executive officer and is responsible for day-to-day operations and strategic direction of KCLA, managing its growing staff of 16. He has also had a career in acting and enjoys weightlifting, traveling, snowboarding, and spending time with his dog, Banksy. Dig this interview. Good to meet you, man. Nice to meet you as well. Where are you located? Uh, I am in Los Angeles in Culver City. Okay, cool. Very cool. I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, nice. It's great to meet you. And I want to begin our conversation with what we've lived through for the last three and a half years. Probably something that David Lynch could have narrated, which was the pandemic. And I'm wondering how you got through it and how it changed you. Good question. Um, Yeah, I definitely minimized my consumption of news and other media. Uh, I think there was a lot of misinformation. There was a lot of, uh, you know, sensational sensationalism. There was a lot of fear um, being perpetuated that I don't think was very, you know, productive. So I kind of tapped out from a lot of that. Uh, I tried to really be guided by the science and not the extra narratives around it. Um, And, you know, I used what I felt was common sense, though I'm increasingly realizing common sense just really isn't all that common. Um, but in in the sense of being safe and responsible, but not also just living in sheer terror all the time, you know, and I, I tried to really take good care of myself, eating healthy, exercising, getting time outdoors in the sun, um, being social as I was able to in, in you know, safe ways with the kind of small circle of, of my kind of COVID crew, as so many of us kind of developed, the people we trusted and felt that we're also being responsible, uh, who we could see in, in certain contexts. So, you know, those are some of the things that, that I did to get through it. Um, it was definitely very, very difficult as it was, you know, I think for everyone. And LA was one of the strictest cities in the country around um, the mask mandates, around um, the shuttering of businesses and kind of requirements around it all. So that was tough. Um, I did keep uh, Ketamine Clinics Los Angeles open the entire time. That was a tough choice. Um, Our clinic remained open and, and served patients throughout the entire pandemic, which was very stressful to modify so many things that we did to be compliant and safe, uh, making sure the team felt taken care of and safe. And also that our patients did was a lot of work, but, you know, we do really important, critical and essential work in treating depression and suicide and felt that it was really important that patients still be able to get that care. So. So the one thing too, about this time is that there was a real focus within and mental health, a spotlight was finally shown on it. It wasn't some trivial thing where people were like, Oh, you just don't feel good. Get over it. There was more of this it's a real thing that's happening with everybody and it's spread. So you probably, is there a part of you that, I don't know if relief is the word, but um, I need to find the right word that some level of you that's cognizant that it's become more common and, and not something that's kind of hidden. People are actively seeking to get their mental health into a better place. Are you noticing that? Yeah, absolutely. And I've said many times, I think that's kind of the silver lining that came out of the pandemic is 
more open and honest conversations around mental health, more awareness. I mean, we all really suffered some form of collective PTSD, really. Um, anxiety levels were super high. People's entire lives were upended, you know, losing their jobs, relationships falling apart, divorce, you know, and then a, a lot of people had new things that started in um, living with partners, having children, you know, and a lot, a lot of change and transition for a lot of people. But there's no question it was really hard on on most, if not all of us in one way or another and to varying degrees. So I think with that, it has destigmatized mental health because there's a there's a firsthand understanding and ability to relate to that for a lot of people who maybe never really did deal with severe anxiety before um, or, you know, didn't have uh, various issues that came up during the pandemic. And they went, wow, now I know what it's like. <laughs> now I know how that feels. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think as people were kind of forced to slow down and the world slowed down, um, they had to come to terms with things, even that were not directly related to the pandemic about themselves, their lives, what they really wanted, what was important to them. And so there was a lot of um, challenge, but also I think a lot of growth and change for a lot of people. So, yeah. And I mean, depression, um, anxiety, uh, substance abuse, spousal abuse, child abuse, all respectively, you know, doubled and tripled at the start of the pandemic. And so all of these existing mental health issues that have already been a serious problem for a very long time increased exponentially. Yeah. Um, in addition to the people who maybe had some new challenges with mental health that they uh, hadn't experienced before. So uh, there's no question that it, all of us talking about it more, being more open, being able to better relate has been, you know, some progress. Uh, and unfortunately, there's still just a tremendous need that far exceeds the demand for high quality and effective care. So that's what we're really focused on and, and committed to is continuing to deliver, you know, world class service and taking care of people and being able to take care of more people and increase access. So let's say you got in front of a bunch of third grade students. It's career day. And one of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? I would say I help people to uh, heal and transform their lives. So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream to grow up and become? When I was in third grade, uh, an actor. Okay. So let's go back to the beginnings of your life. Where were you born and raised? And how were these seeds that got into you to want to help people? Yeah, I was born in Lodi, which is a, a small town in uh, Northern California. I lived there for the first few years of my life. And then I lived on a sailboat for four years and oh, I actually cool. sailed around uh, around the world with my parents and my two sisters uh, in the Caribbean, the Bahamas, the British Virgin Islands on a 71 foot yacht. And I think that uh, those formative years growing up with life being just a wild and free adventure really shaped who I am today and my kind of out of the box thinking and my um adventurous spirit and you know the experiences that i had really shaped me in a big way so um as far as you know acting goes i mean i pursued acting professionally from the age of nine until just a couple of years ago i did a variety of things i've over 40 credits in tv film commercial theater voiceover i mean all kinds of different stuff and i'm still really passionate about it i put it on pause to really focus on the clinic and i say pause because there's definitely a chance that i might return to it uh, I still love to entertain and perform. I still rap and freestyle and I'm, I'm a very creative person. Um, as far as like where my desire to help came from, I don't know. I think just it's in my, it's in my culture where I come from. It's in the values to repair the world, to make the world a better place. 
uh, to, you know, make a meaningful difference. These are things that just were really deeply embedded in me as important as, in terms of our purpose and in, in being here as people. Um, and that's one of the things that drew me to acting was the opportunity to impact hearts and minds through storytelling, to provide relief through comedy, and also to be able to have a platform where if I became known enough that I could speak about issues that were going on in the world from a compassionate standpoint, from a logical standpoint, and maybe get some some change to happen, some positive change. That That is something that excited me about being an actor, you know, in addition to the art of acting in, in and of itself. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So who's been a hero for you in your life? Well, on the acting front is Jim Carrey, Robin Williams. I mean, these guys, I just thought were so, so insanely talented, hilarious, um, just really smart. And those guys definitely really, really inspired me when I was young, um, big time. So, um, oh, no, go ahead. No, you're good. No, after you. No, no, no. I, I was, I, I, I got excited. I was leapfrogging to the next question. So yeah, I, I wanted to know. Go ahead, go ahead. Let's go. Let's. Go. I, I was just going to say, out of all of the people that are out there right now, that are whether they're actors or whatnot, who would be a dream person for you to meet and talk to, be around for a little bit? Boy, that's a tough question. Wow. Eminem. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that'd be cool. Eminem. So. What was the first movie you saw that made you think, man, I want to swallow up as many movies as I can, or I want to become an actor one day? The Mask with Jim Carrey. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, this guy is just so wild and crazy, insane. I mean, he's literally a cartoon character in, in parts of it. And just the way that he was, I I was like, that's, I want to do that. I want to be that. That's just too much fun. So when I'm a child of the eighties, but I remember watching Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Um, and one time he got a he, Jim Carrey went up into the crowd and he said, Do you guys want to see an impression of a bulldog? And he drank that water down and went Arr! and the water splayed all over everybody. And it was so the timing and the absurdity of it. I was like, Who the hell is this dude? And it yeah. was like everything that came out of him was just much more amplified than I think anybody's ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just truly a one of a kind human. Yeah, I would love love to meet Jim Carrey too. I mean, he is definitely one of my my heroes from when I was young, and I still have tremendous respect for him and and who he is. And you know, he's gone through quite a transformation over the last five years or so, and he's really um, a pretty deep thinker. I mean, he's pretty yeah. far out there, but he's wicked smart um, and it's been really interesting and cool to kind of see his evolution since I've been, you know, watching him since I was young and the kind of guy he is today. He's still a genius, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, he did go through a transformation and I'm wondering when he got with McCarthy, if maybe being around her autistic son kind of showed some things and kind of gave him some level of, uh, I don't know, something on his compass and needle because things change. And I love that he's a painter. He's very talented. He uses the paintings as kind of a social political commentary. So he's not just some talking puppet up there saying stuff. He's actually doing it and creates this conversation because he's really not saying anything other than putting a bunch of colors and forms out there. And then he just lets it kind of run, which is the reason why he's brilliant. I mean, he just knows how to engage and he's doing it creatively in a great way. It's cool. 100%. He's yeah. a cool cat. Um, so, you know, 
with someone like Jim Carrey and all these other names that we've talked about, there's obviously a high level motivation that goes into being who they are. What is that for you? What gets you out of bed? What gets you to want to accomplish things and to be who you are and to help people? Yeah, you know, I feel we live in a really um, kind of crooked world. And look, it's uh, it's beautiful and wonderful and magnificent. It's also full of a lot of trauma and loss and suffering and needless suffering. And, you know, people prioritizing money and objects over, over people in life, over health, over the wellness of the planet. I think we live in a time where the, there's more of a collective um shift in consciousness happening and people are starting to wake up to this a little bit but we have a long way to go and i'm motivated to make meaningful change you know i think i just love the potential that i see i think that we have great potential with with you know communication being so global now and travel transportation with technology i mean we have all the things we just have to shift our mindset and our priorities a little bit and life I think could be much better for everyone on the planet, you know? So there's just a huge need. I mean, I work in mental health because I have friends and family who struggle. I, you know, I've had my own challenges. I've lost a lot of people to suicide, both friends and family. So uh, there's just so much suffering. There's such a great need. And what we do at my clinic, um, you know, mostly specializing in IV infusions of ketamine, they work so well, so quickly, so safely um and there's no one really championing that cause because ketamine is a cheap generic drug it's been around since the 60s it was fda approved in 1970 as an anesthetic and its use as a you know mood disorder treatment is newer and the patent is up so no one's you know promoting ketamine they're promoting their high margin uh name brand drugs so the big pharma and doctors are recommending things that are less than half as effective with more side effects um, because that's where the money is. And I'm focused on what is going to promote the most healing and because it's personal work. So I'm motivated by this lack of justice. I'm motivated by the need, especially among even people who I I love and care for and um, everyone else who suffers, who's not getting the, the best guidance and in making a meaningful change, you know, I, I really believe in, in the work that we're doing. So that really motivates me. And then, you know, also my team, um, our, our patients are inspiring. It's really inspiring to see their transformations. My team is fantastic. They work really hard. Um, I care about them and ensuring that they continue to thrive. So, you know, I have 17 employees and I, uh, I, I feel the need to continue to rise for, for all of them. So what's been one of your best success stories of helping somebody? I mean, obviously, you know, they probably need to stay anonymous, but just kind of loosely, what, what's what's one of your favorite ones that puts a smile on your face? One of our first patients in 2014, we've been doing this work for a decade. She saved up money for her own funeral so that when she committed suicide, uh, she wouldn't burden her family any further with the uh, expenses then learned of us and decided to use some of the money she had saved to try this treatment because it's an out-of-pocket cost and um, had an amazing result and used the difference in what she saved and spent to take a European vacation with her her sons. And um, that was pretty inspiring to have literally the time, energy, and money that was kind of earmarked for for death to give her kind of another chance at life. That was really, really cool. 
Um, there's been so many stories I can't even tell you that are so inspiring uh, for, for so many patients. I mean, we've provided more than 25,000 infusions. We've uh, taken care of more than 6,000 patients and we have an 83% success rate. So the vast majority of them have really amazing stories of healing and, and transformation. Uh, we had another older gentleman who was in his 60s, anorexic, had been all of the best uh, eating disorder treatment centers around, um, wasn't just was literally dying. And um, he came in during the pandemic. And I um, actually kind of referenced him at one point in a team meeting as an example uh, before he had started his treatment um, of why we were staying open. And that, yes, we recognize there were some risks to that, but that people like him couldn't wait because he might not be around in, uh, after the pandemic. And we took care of him and he had an amazing result. He started eating again, enjoying food, gained healthy weight, was taking his, his wife out to dinner um, and was happy. And, you know, a guy who's starving himself to death, who had tried everything and was really unhealthy, getting back his his healthier weight, strength and, and being happy again was also just very, very cool. And um, it also kind of, you know, I'm not that surprised because most people benefit, but it was he had such a great benefit and his his wife became such a champion of this treatment and so enthusiastic about it. It was kind of cool that even before he started, I was like, I had kind of referenced him as an example. And it was really, uh, really satisfying that he ended up thriving so much. Um, yeah. but I mean, everything from people going back to work who have been bedridden, people getting raises, raises at work, going back to school, getting master's degrees, um, strengthening or rebuilding relationship with their spouse or their family, um, finding new love and, you know, people who had felt kind of lonely or cast out, like connecting and having a beautiful new, you know, relationship come of it. Um, just so many different things, everything you can imagine, you know, mothers returning to being engaged with their kids again, uh, you name it. There's, there's just like endless stories of, of healing transformation and really dramatic positive differences for people. So let me ask you this. If you had a dream tonight, you ran into a 20 year old version of yourself and you could give that young version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life up to this point, what advice would you give your younger self? I mean, there's a lot of things that I want to say. Um, I think, you know, in business, I would say hire, hire good help sooner and get some funding. Um, we put everything on credit cards in the beginning, really bootstrapped, never took any investment, um, never even took out a loan or a line of credit uh, until way, way, way later. So we really struggled for a while really just keeping it so super lean i think there was a lot that we gained from that and a lot that we learned and uh it was actually there were benefits too but um and i also did everything really by myself and uh for too long i think bringing in good people to help would have really been good and i you know i, I didn't feel like i had the money to do it but again could have figured something out you know and so i would say that business-wise life-wise otherwise i mean i would say read more books Go to more workshops and seminars, go to retreats, um, really just focus on enriching your mind, body and spirit in your heart and focus more on um, on transforming yourself in that way. And I grew up with the mindset of that and I really value that um, and I've done a lot of things over the years to enrich myself. 
since I was young, though it's almost like you can never do enough. You know, I think I would have, I would have told myself really double down on this because that's the stuff that really is investing in our future in all aspects, you know, whatever, whatever is on your mind, whether it's career or family or, you know, being happy or successful in other ways, uh, intimate relationship, um, whatever, whatever matters to you, whatever you want in this life, you are the, magnet that draws towards you that which you desire you know outer world is a reflection of your inner world so i would have maybe told myself to squeeze a little bit less hard on the outside stuff and focus that energy on the inside stuff so of all the things you've done so far in your life what are you the proudest of bar none creating my clinic um it's been quite a journey yeah and it was you know probably the hardest thing i've ever done and also the most gratifying so everyone has a perception of you family friends clients colleagues but you run the show what's your perception of you who do you think you are i think of myself as very very driven ambitious meticulous compassionate fun loving creative and uh totally dedicated and with a strong sense of justice right on sam if anyone wants to reach out hire you learn more about you anything about your world where can they go ketamineclinics.com that's k-e-t-a-m-i-n-e-c-l-i-n-i-c-s.com lots of good information on the treatment there's a bio on me there also social media is a cool place to connect uh it's the sam mandel that's just the word the T-H-E, Sam, S-A-M, Mandel, M-A-N-D-E-L. And that's across all socials. I'm mostly active on Instagram and TikTok, but you can find me anywhere with that. And uh, yeah, if anyone wants to learn more about the treatment as well, they can call the clinic, 310-270-0625. It's free. We have free consultations. It's confidential. So we're happy to answer any questions at all about um, ketamine for mental health or any general mental health questions as well. Excellent. Sam, thank you for your story. Thank you for your time. Best of luck with everything. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. (laughs) 